Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O-Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Because it felt like being pregnant for three years. It just was like, we keep talking about this. I'm I'm meeting people and telling them I'm going to be doing this thing. And I'm wondering, is it really ever going to be out in the world? And the part that's most like being pregnant is, you know, you don't know what life is going to be like once it launches. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Gracia Walker, co-founder of Brockshot. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Gracia Walker is co-founder of Brockshot, an innovative daily functional shot that addresses the key pillars of wellness. Gracia was previously the head of communication strategy for Kills, where she oversaw digital communication strategy in over 60 countries. Gracia's marketing leadership helped drive Kills double-digit growth annually to become the largest growth driver in the L'Oreal Lux division, reaching 1 billion euros in sales worldwide. Gracia also oversaw Kills global charitable platform, Kills Gives, inking partnership deals with influencers like Alicia Keys, Zoe Zaldana, Matthew McConaughey, Solange Knowles, and many more, while donating countless funds for children's causes, HIV, AIDS research, and the environment. Gracia, welcome to Business of the Beat. I am so excited. I wore my green for you. I have my Bronx shots. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. Wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. We have so much to talk about. We've got to talk about the brands, your background, um, but we always start with this new rapid fire segment. And it's a fun, all you have to do is fill in the blank. So let's jump in there. And then I want to get into Brock shots. So Let's get started. Your rapid fire is called Gracia Gives. Okay. If Gracia could give one thing to her favorite person right now, it would be blank. My favorite person is my son, Mathis, and I would give him this new Akendo toy that he is dying to have. (laughs) I love that. A mom after my own heart. It's like, I'm not going to do anything else, but give them another toy. (laughs) It's easy. Um, All right. If we ask your friends and family, they would say, Gracia always gives blank. Gracia always gives 
either good or random advice? <laughs> Whoever you are on the other side. It could either be good or it could be random. <laughs> all right. And our last one, this is fun. Gracious style is always giving blank. Ouch. Um, well, I have a massive fear of being overdressed. So I would hope they would say gracious style is always giving effortless. Ooh, I love that. Wait a second, Gracia, always being overdressed? I have a fear of being overdressed. <laughs> it's probably irrational, but yes, I have a fear of being overdressed and I can't even bring it back to a, a moment in time, but I just would rather be the person who showed up in really nice sweatpants and just is casual in that moment than to be overdressed. <laughs> I'm like envisioning like ball gowns with glitter and feathers and like all the things. Like I said, it's probably <laughs> irrational, but uh, but yeah. So because of that, I I tend to lean toward toward some version of effortless. Okay, I love effortless. And what's your favorite color? My favorite color is red, but I don't wear red. I pretty much wear black because you know coming from New York for so long. Um, or now I wear a lot of green. Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm wearing my. My green, red is my favorite color, but I'm wearing your green. I know I saw your nails on Instagram and I was like, oh, we're going all out. We are in it. I better not show up to, to this podcast in anything but green. <laughs> you look stunning in green. Thank you. I'm like, I'm loving the trees. I'm like, I got the green vibe. So I am so excited. Thank you for playing rapid fire. It's just, we love it to just hear what you're thinking. So before we get into how amazing you are and your background, I want to start with my Brock shot. I've been waiting for this moment. And you guys, this is phenomenal. So we're going to start with the Brock shot. So tell us, I have my handy dandy how this works, but I actually have the founder on. So I'm going to get a one-on-one -on -one so that we can do this. All right. Set me up here. Set me up. So... Brock shot is a daily functional shot that covers the three key pillars of wellness, which are inflammation, detoxification, and gut health. It's powered by broccoli sprout powder, which creates a compound called sulforaphane. And it's pretty much the most potent and most active antioxidant on the planet because instead of just putting something in your body that helps your body, so to speak, it actually switches on your body's own defense system. And so what we did is uh, we harnessed broccoli sprout powder in our patented dosing cap so that to incorporate something like this into your routine, you didn't have to add another pill or powder um, or just um, any other additional sort of ingredient into the mix, you really could just basically take this shot out of your refrigerator every morning, press it down, push it down, shake it, and take your shot. And so it's easy as that. And we put it in, and what you can see here, we put it in uh, an egg carton type container because we wanted to make sure that we could help people create a healthy habit 
So while Brock Shot does not need to be refrigerated, by putting this in your refrigerator or somewhere where you can see it every day, you're reminded to take your shot every morning. I So I love this and it's so smart. And I was reading all about the cell, correct me, I'm not on your side, the sulforane. Sulforaphane. Sulforaphane. I was like, I've learned a new ingredient. I'm off of hyaluronic acid. I'm now on sulforaphane. So I want to do this with you. And then I want to hear more. So I'm going to go for the, because there's multiple flavors, ginger and lime. There is the pineapple and mint. And then there's the original. So I have been waiting for this moment because I have the honor of being able to take my first frog shot with Gracia. So I'm going to go for the pineapple and mint. Okay. So we're ready. So I'm going to push down hard. You go. No, you go. I'm going to do ginger lime. Okay. So push. You do have to push it down pretty hard. Um, you do have to push it down pretty hard on a table um, usually. Oh, I got, I was like, I'm ready. I was on the Peloton this morning, so I was ready to go. And then I shake. Shake, shake, it, it, really, shake it up. Shake it really well. You do want to make sure the top's completely flat down so you get all the powder into the water. Give it a good shake. Okay. This is so fun. A twist. Oh my gosh, this is magical. Magical. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys, this is amazing. I'm so excited for you all to try that. I feel like I've just been like, I feel great. I feel like I've just had this like boost of energy after I was shaking, shaking, shaking. So let's get into how we got here because you have a phenomenal career from kills to creating products, double-digit growth, you were part of the L'Oreal Lux division. So take a step back from this amazing product and tell us, Gracia, about your journey, who you are, and how we got to today with Brock Shots. So I think the best place to start is, you know, I came from uh, entrepreneurial parents who uh, owned a preschool uh, when I was growing up. And My father specifically, I remember saying to me, go into corporate America, learn as much as you can there, but to really create independence, wealth, choice, um, and really, you know, drive your own life, uh, you need to be an entrepreneur. You need to start something. And that was always in the back of my mind, but I wasn't one of those individuals who knew what they wanted to be when they grew up. Um, just it wasn't it wasn't super clear. Um, from week to week, it could have been anything. From there was a time I wanted to be a jockey. I'm obviously way too tall for that. Uh, <laughs> um, to you know, even being a DJ or a doctor, um, landscape designer. There's been a number of, of of different interests that I've had over time, and. Um, at the end of the day, the things that really attracted me the most were uh, were products that solved problems and products that created, uh, you know, helped people's lives to be better. And, you know, my my first really big job was at uh, was at Kiehl's. And what was so interesting about it, it was almost like an entrepreneurial brand with inside of a corporation. And uh 
They had recently been acquired by L'Oreal. And so, you know, the company was learning from this young, you know, this not young brand, the brand was actually 150 years old at the time, but the company, um, the corporation was learning from this, uh, this indie brand and the indie brand was learning from the corporation. And so I, I really valued both types of institutions or like I valued institutions like a corporation and I also valued the, uh, what an ind- independent company could be and, and the, the nimbleness of it and such. And, um, I, I fell in love with that brand so much. I actually worked there twice. So 10 years, two different stints, but 10 years. And that was really, uh, kind of a, a really pivotal part of, of, of driving what would be the next, you know, decade of, of my career. And then I think the second piece that was really compelling was I, um, I happened to fall into beauty. I had zero beauty regimen before I worked there. And most of my friends were confused that I was going to work at a beauty company. Um, let's just say soap was kind of how I washed my face. And that, that was it. That was it. Uh, so, I, but I ended up going to a beauty brand or a beauty company that was so rooted in science and that really spoke to me. And so, you know, from there, it was really, um, I, I began to be able to merge a lot of my interests and, uh, and I, I started out in PR and it was storytelling and I always loved storytelling and it was, um, the, you know, it was storytelling every single day. It was storytelling about this brand, uh, about what we were, what we were becoming, uh, what we could be for consumers. Everything was an opportunity to, to storytell and, and drive interest and, and to help people along the way. So that was kind of the, the, the biggest thing for me. And then I, um, I moved from, um, I, I, went from Kiehl's to another brand in beauty and then back to Kiehl's. And uh, in that, my second stint at Kiehl's, I was working on Global, which gave me a whole entire different perspective on uh, women and men and people and what their needs are all over the world. And having a more global perspective of beauty and wellness uh, really, really hit home for me because it is so nuanced. And uh, and so from there, I, I knew that the next step for me would be, you know, something entrepreneurial, something where I still had that opportunity to storytell. And I really wanted it to be something meaningful as well. I happened to um, be introduced to my co-founder um, who had this strange looking bottle and uh, and. Uh, it had broccoli sprout powder in it. And I didn't know that broccoli had sprouts. We're all familiar with mature broccoli, which is what most of us eat. And I knew what sprouts were, but alfalfa and microgreens and such, but I didn't know that broccoli had sprouts. And uh, so he, um, he introduced me to this powerhouse in ingredient, this science um, behind it. And he was so enthusiastic and passionate. His name's Benjamin Silver, and he's amazing. And um, he's like family to me now. And um, he was like, this product works in days. And in the beauty industry, there's just no such thing as that. And wellness, you know, I, I hadn't seen anything like it before. And I was completely blown away. And 
from there, we really started to um, just look at and work on this brand and look at how we could make this, you know, something that was really, really meaningful to people. How were we going to talk about it? How were we going to educate people about it? And um, and that's kind of that's that's how it was birthed. And it was it was it was called Brock Shot, which just makes complete sense. And um, and now I wear green all the time. <laughs> and now I wear green all the time. I love this story. And it's interesting because there is this notion with certain founders that like, I want to have my company now. And like you said, your first decade from a professional perspective was really learning the ropes and to not be a beauty person going into a company like L'Oreal, even on the kill side, it's quite remarkable. Do you feel like, and you talked a bit about how that gave you the pivot what were some of the key things, because especially for entrepreneurs who have had no other life but an entrepreneur, what were some of those tips and some of the benefits of kind of being in that corporate structure, even entrepreneurial, that helped you, especially in the early days of launching? So um, I'll credit, one, I'll credit L'Oreal with, uh, L'Oreal has um, often has so many cross-functional meetings and so you are exposed to so many different pieces of the business. And I, I urge anyone who's in a corporate setting to ensure that they have exposure to product development. What does the product development process look like? What is, um, what is, is what's happening in the creative department when you're not there meeting with them? What um, what are ins the insights and data team? Uh, what are they looking at uh, that informs them? And you know, we learned like as a as a group or individuals there at 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 L'Oreal, um, we had to know how to work with others. Um, in those departments, because you couldn't just walk into a meeting and say, hey, I've got this great idea. We're going to do this event and we're going to have these consumers come across here, et cetera. And you couldn't just walk into a meeting and say that because you were leaving out what all those other departments, what are all the insights and, and information and things that tick and make and, and help them tick. And so I learned and, and many of my counterparts, we all learned to actually go into a meeting and say, I have this idea. Here's what I'm thinking. I think that we can drive revenue three times by doing X, Y, and Z. How would this work for the e-commerce team? How would this work in creative? How much time do you need, et cetera? And so by learning how they worked organizationally, now I know that I can't just go to my creative director at Brockshot and say, I need this tomorrow because I know how long animation takes. And I can say what's the fastest we can get it because we really would love to get this up sooner, but I have a better sense cross-functionally. And when you're in a small organization that is, you know, young, like Brockshot, um, you really do need to optimize your time, everyone's time, et cetera, because, you know, your financial losses when you make a mistake or something's not right or you're delayed on something, they, they, the hit is so much harder than it is at, at, at a corporate level. Well, and that's in the interesting thing. We have a lot of conversations about entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship and how the journeys of both can sometimes be similar. But to your point, the protections of having the company whenever you do have a hit and what that looks like whenever you're in a big conglomerate with multiple teams versus 
a smaller company and even giving grace to the creative director who may not even have all the tools and tricks and five junior graphic designers to support, but also the ability to have speed in terms of getting to market, developing new products. And so I want to kind of talk about this nature of you are the first, the world's first broccoli sprout shot. You talk about meeting Benjamin, but before we even got there, you were also a founder because you had Yum Yum. Mm -hmm. So what was that kind of, I'm I'm moving from, I've I've now left, I'm creating Yum Yum. I'm now going to change the world with the first broccoli sprout shot. Can you talk a little bit about that transition and what it was like from company to company? Yes. So Yum Yum is, um, was a company that I started in between uh, my first stint at Kiehl's and my second stint at Kiehl's. So I have gone in and out of of corporate and uh, the food industry is, um, you know, whether you're waiting tables or you are launching a product, um, the food industry is one of the most energetic and exciting and also um, it's brutal and you're basically trying to serve get food to people before it rots you know and so that process of it uh, whether it's you know our company which was a food services and catering company um, whether it's that or or, or um, even getting into the uh, uh, product that is based on a plant like I have now um, it is um, it's incredibly incredibly grueling and takes a lot of precision uh, with yum yum we uh, we started off as a catering company we uh, decided and saw there was a huge opportunity to do more fast, casual catering, uh, delivering like lunch meeting uh, platters and stuff um, in New York City. There's so much, um, so many meetings happening and 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 so many offices in a small um, area that that is Manhattan. And we really, uh, we really sort of, um, we evolved our company to doing that fast, casual business. And um, we quickly learned that there was, um, I'll, I'll take a step back. We, when we evolved our company first to doing more fast casual um, uh, business was we saw an opportunity to do much more volume than you would with catering, with bar mitzvah catering or, or weddings and such. And um, it was a great move for us too, because uh, at the time that we started our company, we, it was, about seven months prior to that crash in 2008, 2009, uh, which was a financial services crash. It was a really big deal. And we had a lot of financial services uh, clients. And so um, we were really grateful that we had pivoted to something that was less expensive and that we could do more volume in. Um, But we quickly learned too that volume um, also required us to be in a million places at at, uh, different times. So uh, this was interesting because we actually had a business model that predated today's DoorDash, Uber Eats, et cetera. Um, wow. We called it Yum Yum To Go. And we knew that we couldn't drive our food around to everybody. We didn't have the infrastructure for that. So we partnered with, um, with a courier, like a bike messenger courier, but they also wow. have trucks. So we partnered with a courier. Um, we talked to three different couriers who thought we were crazy. And we found one who said, yeah, this sounds cool. We'll pick up your food. And again, it's 
it's crazy to think about it now because food moves around through apps all the time. But at the time, there wasn't anything like that. So we set up a, um, a site that was specifically for orders just like this. And then we partnered with Seamless Web that had just been uh, acquired wow. by Aramark. And we were like the with under the hundredth company, like we, we were one of the the first doing what we were doing. They were still really focused on law firms and they were just starting to expand out to to onboard restaurants to um to this thing called seamless web at the time and now now it's just seamless and they were the only ones who were doing that and so we had they dropped off a printer and we had this whole um app sort of situation that was happening before there were actually apps so at the time people still went online and, and ordered that so um yeah so um now i won't say we inspired that industry but we were doing it before um we were doing it before it really had like exploded out and it was really really um uh, quite profitable for us um and it wasn't sexy, but it, it was um, it was just a stronger business. And um, we were just kind of trudging through it and doing what um, and we had, I think, been in less than a year in business with Yum Yum To Go. And another company who shared our kitchen with us had they did catering for like photo shoots, et cetera. And they kept just seeing our volume go out the door every day. And the guy wanders over and he's like, what are you guys doing? And we told him and we showed him our whole operation. And then I don't even think it was like three days later, he, um, he came over and offered my my partner, Vanessa, um, who's a brilliant chef. Um, he um, was like, can I buy your company? And wow. she was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you want to buy my company? And, um, and he was like, yeah, you guys do a lot of volume. And, you know, we keep passing over stuff that's, you know, $500 orders because we can't do those. And yeah, so then, and, and, we both said yes very quickly. So we were, we were, wow. tired. We were really tired. Um, so um, yeah, that was like the first time I'd even, you know, sold a company and it wasn't, um, you know, take off, you know, and never work again money, but it was, you know, it was take a break, recalibrate kind of thing. And uh, so back to, to answer your question though, um, you know, I carried so much of, of um of that experience actually into l'oreal when i went back to keels um and i i actually i referenced that time a little bit less um in in brock shop but when i went back to l'oreal um it was pretty hard to intimidate me or scare me by things mm -hmm. because we were trying to make sure ice didn't melt and this problem in corporate was not as serious as that. That's kind of how I felt when, when I went back in there. And you know, the lesson for me though, was get as much diverse experience as you can uh, in, in a lot of different industries and, and hiring managers might not, you know, like that. Uh, and, and your resume might need a, more explanation than someone who, you know, sits in very traditional roles and it, and it looks um, symmetrical kind of all the way down your resume. But it, they, everything I did made sense later, especially the chaos. It, 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 it informed something later. It made a decision less expensive later um, or a mistake even less expensive later. And, um, and, and, and I'm quite proud of that. Wow. I mean, Gracia, you have so much to be proud of. And even the way that you 
think about it, right? Because every step is part of our journey and what are we learning? And I love the story of Yum Yum and then immediately saying, we both turned to each other and said yes. And that really being kind of your first exit because it is, you know, whenever you're building something, you may not know at the time what the exit's going to be because you're so passionate about it. But when you have those moments, it's exceptional. So congratulations on that. I'm just listening to you like, this is the best story ever. Um, and what, whenever, whenever you think back to those times and you think about the experience with Yum Yum, having a partner, selling it, going back into corporate, what then was the impetus to kind of come back out? And how did you meet Benjamin? Yeah, so... <laughs> I knew that I wasn't going to stay at L'Oreal and, and just kind of keep going through the path in, in the marketing and communications um, side of things. Um, I, I knew that I wouldn't stay there forever, but it is, is and, and I stand by one of the best training grounds of, of, of any place. And anyone I know from L'Oreal, I would hire them in a second. Uh, People from L'Oreal can run circles around around a lot of other talent out there uh, just because of the way we learn to think. Um, but uh, so leaving, you know, really was was first about sort of taking a break, recalibrating, seeing what was did I want my day to look like? What did I want to create and build? And I didn't even expect to be here, you know, with Benjamin. Uh, a, a friend introduced us and said, you know, talk to Gracia about marketing. He was interested in how to market this idea he had um, and this, and, and not even idea. It was, you know, it was a really beautiful uh, shot and, and brand, you know, that that he had really built up into this, this uh, place. And then it was time to, you know, operationalize it, really build it and, and, and make it a company that was going to launch. And, um, and we just started small, like just with a, a, a small project, just looking at go-to-market strategy. And uh, after we completed that go-to-market strategy, we had just really enjoyed working together. And uh, and we, uh, he asked me to if I could join him and help to raise money for the company. And so I started in those conversations and just supporting the raise. And uh, and then we. Uh, you know, it really made sense for us to, you know, really join forces and be co-founders and uh, and really start, you know, once we raise that money, really start to build what is, you know, what is Brockshot now. And what's the time framing of this? Like kind of, I'm like, how long did this happen? <laughs> I don't know how long it would have taken without COVID. Um, but uh, it was uh, about, it was almost th almost three years from when we first started, we met and first started working together till we launched, just shy of, of three years. And as frustrating as it was, because it felt like being pregnant for three years, it just yes. was like, we keep talking about this. I'm, I'm meeting people and telling them I'm going to be doing this thing. And I'm wondering, is it really ever going to be out in the world? And the part that's most like being pregnant is, you know, you don't know what life is going to be like once it launches. You have no idea. Um, 
I didn't even know if I would be able to take a vacation. I just didn't know what what the day was going to look like. What were would it be like when orders came in, and what was the customer reaction going to be like, and how were we going to handle, um, you know, everything from manufacturing to shipping? Uh, you know, we ship from Australia to uh, to the U.S. right now, and. So it was it was a long time wondering what what life was going to look like. And um, yeah. And so just under three years. Well, and I think back when we reconnected, we met in 2020 and then it was literally like, and here I am. So (laughs) to your point, we it's kind of time. It's like this weird time continuum because we all kind of went through COVID. And so trying to get back up, trying to move forward. And you guys have been able to do that. And so when you think about kind of that, I've had this business, I'm here, we go through COVID, were you all still operating during COVID, trying to, to your point, kind of get the manufacturing sorted? Was it more just conversations? Because you did have a product that had to be ingested. And so as everyone was even trying to figure that piece out, how were you operating in the midst of that? And when did you kind of start to see we're ready to launch on the other side? We thought we would launch in by the end of 2020, which is hilarious because we (laughs) ended up launching in April, well, May 2022, May of this year. So we're we're baby, you know, in, in the market. We were building. It was, you know, I think we would have and I think other companies just launch and you work out kinks. So you build the plane while you're flying it. And for us, we had just there were just so many different setbacks that had to do with uh, delays with COVID manufacturing from, you know, from different countries. Um, Benjamin and I are, he's in Sydney and I'm in Los Angeles. And uh, that's the other hilarious thing is we've never been in the same room together ever. Gracia, oh my gosh, you're like a COVID amazing story of everything that you can get done without having to physically be sitting next to each other. Exactly. And I don't think if COVID hadn't happened, no one would even think some of the things we've all accomplished would be possible. Learning, you know, taking courses, meeting people, all, all kinds of stuff that we've done, uh, that we've all done and, and managed to do and now do so effortlessly. Um, this is my norm now. We have our schedule. We have the times that we meet. Uh, we work kind of strange hours and um, we do hope to meet in, in person. <laughs> Well, in your defense, there was an entire travel ban. So it's not as though, you know what I mean? Like, which you know, but I love this notion because there's something so special about, I have an idea, we can work out the kinks together. We can launch something that is truly the world's first concept and be on opposite sides of the coast. And I think that that even data that you're getting from what he's seeing in Australia, what you're seeing here, because your brand is by its nature global. Like people say, because I'm on, because I'm D to C, I'm global, but you truly are from data perspective and how you entered into the market. Absolutely. And we've always thought about the company as, um, as a global company. And when would we be in which markets from the beginning? 
and which which markets would be um, the most strategic for us financially um, from an, an influence perspective, et cetera. And uh, so right now we're just in the U.S. and that's where we had decided our focus was. We knew it was a, a big market and we knew we needed to launch a market where one of us was. And um, at the time, Australia did not have a, um, a very big D to C uh, business market. There wasn't a, a big opportunity there. I, I believe Benjamin had explained to me that even Amazon had, you know, was it was a slower growth for them even in Australia. And so it just made sense here where D2C was quite, you know, was a, a booming industry and one that we could gather a lot of insights from, lean into, um, have strategic partners with agencies who knew D2C really well. And um, it was always important to us to do D2C first. So we really knew our customers, owned our data, and could make decisions based upon that. But yeah, we, um, we're, we can't wait to be in, in more countries. Well, and the opportunity because you're shelf stable. So there's so many opportunities. And you're such an interesting crossover. Like everything that we kind of do through Brain Trust Founder Studio, my personal is this intersection of beauty and wellness. And so because of the health benefits, I mean, the health benefits are endless for what you're doing. But then there's also the, there's the factor of beauty because the inside out of wellness, how this is going to impact our skin like, it's just fascinating. So how do you kind of position yourself from the lens of beauty? What happens when you do it? And this intersection of wellness, which is also where you sit, but you also cross the line with food because you're broccoli. <laughs> it is the convergence of all the things I love. Um, if I could bring movies into this, then, you know, we're, we're golden. But um, <laughs> the convergence of those comes down to one, philosophically, Benjamin and I um, have always believed that, you know, that consumers should really think of beauty from a wellness perspective. Um, if you think of beauty from a wellness perspective, you will make more informed decisions. You will not waste money on products that um, are hype and and don't really do what they set out there and they're going to do. And you'll be a, a more um, critical consumer. And coming from, from Kiehl's, we always talked about skin as your largest organ. We talked about skin at a cellular level. And so that was just my mindset all the time when it came to beauty. And yes, beauty does expand into color cosmetics and all of that, which is, is, is an amazing space. And, and I love that space as well. But when we're talking about uh, beauty and skincare and, and the wellness of your largest organ, um, you have to be thinking about it from that cellular level, from a science perspective. And so for us, it was natural because when we looked at sulforaphane, uh, which is, you know, the the compound uh, that broccoli sprout powder creates. Uh, um, when we looked at sulforaphane, one of the first mechanisms that it has is defending your collagen. So whereas we have all these topicals that we put on our skin and or we, you know, there's products out there like ingestible collagen, um, they're not working in the same way that, that sulforaphane does. And sulforaphane literally goes into your body and on a cellular level, energizes your cells, um, defends your cells and defends your own collagen and helps your body to behave like it's younger or more youthful or more, more optimized self. 
And from that perspective, we were like, this is the best beauty product on the planet because you have to start at the cells. You, you have to start inside. Um, and then the other you know, two places and stuff where, where we really focus are inflammation causes premature aging and gut dysbiosis or having an unhealthy gut um, microbiome area wreaks havoc on everything in your body. And, you know, our skin is the place where we are seeing everything that's going on. You can see if you're dehydrated, you can tell if you're stressed out or if you're not getting enough sleep. Um, it really does show you and, and, and talk to you. And you'll hear us say this a lot um, at, at Brockshot that, you know, sulforaphane taught us that, that um, wellness is tangible. You should see and feel it. So if you're taking something or using something, um, there should not be invisible benefits. You should know that it's working or doing something. And if you can't tell or can't feel that that thing working, you should really question or, or understand how does it, it work within the body. And when you use Brock shot, and, and again, this being your first shot today, Kendra, um, some people do feel more energetic their first day, but I do, most people, it's like, by day three, they're starting to see more luminous looking skin. Um, they feel more energized. They're more regular. And that puts everybody in a good mood. I, I never thought I'd talk about bowel movements as much as I do. But, um, you know, it, it really is a tangible thing. And that's why we're able to guarantee uh, benefits that you'll see and feel benefits in days. And it just changed completely how we think about wellness. Um, it's why we got so excited about bringing it to market. And we want everyone else to start to question, you know, the things that you're buying and the things that, you know, do you really need them? Are they working for you? And if not, find things that are actually helping you to look and feel better. Well, and I love how you break that down because there is this different mindset in terms of how we think about beauty and the conversations around the products, how it goes into our skin. And I just want to highlight um, these reviews on your site, because to your point, being able to see it, feel it, and if it works for you. And so I, I, I love these reviews because I thought it was such a different perspective. You have um, someone, verified buyer, who's saying that they suffered from psoriasis of the face and scalp. And then since taking Brock shots, those symptoms have disappeared and their skin looks better than it has in years. Then you have someone saying, I've tried lots of health products. This is the real deal. They take it twice a day, but then they also have their kids taking it. And you and I are both moms. So anything we can take, we love it for the kids. And then you have someone saying, since taking Brock shots, my skin has been glowing. My mind has been clear and I've had so much energy. And they're comparing it to liquid gold, which the only thing I compare to liquid gold is breast milk. Let's just be <laughs> honest. Um, and so as you, I'm so happy that you broke it down for us, especially from an ingredient perspective, because you have different needs that you're servicing. And at the end of the day, it's working and it's working at such a different level to think that something so good as that. And so easy as that, that I could travel with, that I could take is not only helping someone psoriasis, but is also being given to a, a child that's helping and then being called liquid gold. So when you think about kind of the evolution of how you continue to expand on flavors, you have your core ingredient, which I continue to butcher cellophane, <laughs> self-refane. Uh, I'm like, you'll correct me, Gracie, you'll correct me. 
Like, what is what does this look like for you all in terms of expansion? Or is it let's focus on these three flavors where the Brock shot is and go deep in terms of our core ingredient? So I love this question. We have from the very beginning had an innovation and expansion expansion plan. Uh, the shots were the one we wanted to bring to market first for um, to really offer true a true wellness solution um, in a really convenient uh, manner. So the dosing cap really does make it uh, really convenient for you. You don't have to blend it up. You don't have to open something, et cetera. Um, our next uh, our next products that are coming to market will be sachets. So the the sachet, like you know, um, envelope style that you um, open. Um, we're incredibly excited about the sachets because they make traveling with Brockshot much easier um, as well. Because Brockshot, the shots that you have in front of you, they do have water in them, so it. Um, for flying, et cetera, you know, you do have to sort of work around that. Um, but the sachets make travel really easy. Also allows us to offer a more accessibly priced uh, offering to our consumers. And we want to make sure that we can reach as many consumers, that this is as democratic as possible. And wellness is, is out of reach for a, a great number of people. And we want to try to reduce that a, a bit. The exciting thing about the sachets uh, is that we have been um, working really hard to to um, bring to market a sachet that does not have any plastic or any foil in it. So most sachets that you would buy of any product, the inside lining has some sort of a foil or plastic in it. And while foil is not um, a bad thing inherently, um, when you have merged together a foil and a paper, you can't recycle it too. Those can't be divided up and, and they cause issues in recycling systems. Um, and we're really sensitive about this too. Um, we, when we launched Brockshot, we were so aware that we were bringing to market a single use plastic and one you used every single day. And so for that reason, we thought about our entire business model inspired by cradle to cradle, which is a philosophy um, and a practice uh, that was created by a gentleman, Dr. Michael Brongart, who wrote a book, Cradle to Cradle. And one of the philosophies in there, though, was that companies need to be responsible for the full life cycle of their product. Um, most companies really leave it to consumers to be the ones who have to um, take care of recycling. And our recycling systems vary all over the country um, from municipality to municipality. Uh, they could vary. And we also learned, I think, just in 2020 is when we really saw that uh, recycling was getting shipped from the U.S. to other countries, was ending up in waterways and wasn't actually being recycled. And so we knew there was a problem with recycling. And so we partnered with TerraCycle, which... Uh, their model for recycling is to not just try to make it into your plastic into another single use plastic. Let's make plastics into long use items that we need. Plastic is a great material when you don't have to throw it away. So they make things like benches, school desks, playground equipment, you know, long use items out of out of plastics. And it's a great use for uh, for things that that we need. And so um, the other piece of that that was our cradle to cradle mindset was 
we were going to absorb the cost. So with every package that you receive a Brock shot now, you receive a, um, a shipping label that's prepaid so that you can ship back your empties to TerraCycle where they will make them into those long use items. And we wanted to own that cost. So the only thing the consumer has to do is save them and then box them up and, and, and ship them out. And, you know, with everyone with so many Amazon returns, that shouldn't be so terrible. So, um, so that was really, um, that was really our mindset, that cradle to cradle mindset. And then when we looked at innovation, it was like, how can we ensure that we carry that ethos over? So the sachets are plastic and foil free. Uh, so that was really exciting. And you're not seeing that, you know, really um, kind of um, as much as we should be seeing it. And then the, the next product that um, will also uh, follow that will be bulk powder. So for our power users who love the shots, but don't mind actually making their own shot themselves um, and absolutely, you know, and um, want to, you know, have a plastic free option even, they, um, the bulk powder will also come with a stainless steel shaker, a stainless steel shot, so that we're still, you're still only doing a little shot. We're not telling you to make a big smoothie or make a, a, a large drink. You just need a little bit of this dose. And so you can basically take your powder, put it into your stainless steel shaker and make your shot every day yourself. And the packaging also on the bulk powder is the same foil-free and plastic-free, um, which again is, is not as uh, prevalent in the industry as it should be. Gracia, oh my gosh, I love this. And it's so helpful because there are so many people who are grappling with sustainability and recycling. And this notion that companies need to be responsible for the full life cycle of their product. I mean, what words to live by? And it is, I saw that whenever I received my package, not only was it beautiful, but I saw the label. And it when you see that, it automatically makes you want to be part of doing the right thing in terms of recycling, right? Because there is no excuse. Like if we can get our stuff back to Amazon, we can definitely get it back here. Um, and I love this notion of the sachet and kind of how you all are thinking about expanding. Um, it's it's so exciting. And and even for you, what are you excited about when you think about the future of this industry? Because you are the, I continue to say the world's first because it's fascinating because I didn't think about broccoli sprouts kind of in the way that you mentioned before, but now you're really creating and owning your own category. I see this as really one of the most innovative products that crosses beauty, wellness, food um, that's kind of out there. So what are you excited about for the future as you think about how you all are creating a new pathway for products? What's most exciting is working with an ingredient that has so many different health benefits um, because it gives us an opportunity to go into topicals. Uh, it goes, it gives us an opportunity to, you know, look at different formats and also uh, in a convergence of sulforaphane with other ingredients that will, again, continue to push us forward in beauty and wellness. And we hope that by really changing the way consumers think about beauty and wellness and what expectations they have of their products that they're spending their good um, hard-earned money on. Um, we hope that by changing their expectations that um, there will be less fat ingredients, there will be less 
um, hype and um, and misleading in in these in these areas. Um, you know, consumer products are really good in that they help people. They offer convenience. They offer um, you know in uh, just pleasure and enjoyment in, in, in snacks, et cetera. Um, you know, we all love, love, love an amazing skin cream that just, you know, just feels so good putting it on. And those are all good things. Um, but we want people to, you know, to be more informed and, and we want just products that work. Um, and we want to cut through all that hype. And so, we hope that we can be a model for the industry and also push companies to put in higher qualities of these actives, um, even though it costs them more money to put it in and their profit margin might be, you know, uh, might be slightly smaller. Ours is not, by the way, we have a really strong profit margin and you can, um, I think we're, we're a good example of that, but you know, companies don't have to skimp on these things. Um, and, we we exist because you know Benjamin when he first learned about sulforaphane, he went everywhere looking for a good source of it, and everything he found was an extract. So it was a um, a broccoli sprout extract, uh, or it was synthetic sulforaphane, which we felt was counterintuitive to why you would you know be using a um, uh, you know a certain wellness product, especially an ingestible, and. So we had to make our own and we had, and, and it was harder, you know, it was harder to create a formula that was going to yield 15 milligrams of sulforaphane. And so many of the products on the market, there aren't a lot of them, but the many of the products on the market that say sulforaphane or say broccoli sprout, you know, they're relying on, or they're leaning into the science. There's over a thousand peer reviewed studies and articles on sulforaphane and all of its benefits. Uh, and they're leaning into that, but they're not delivering on um, an actual product that that works and really will convert to sulforaphane. And we have a video on our site. It's under the learn section. It's called Sulforaphane 101, and it explains what is sulforaphane and how to buy a sulforaphane product. And um, and we hope, like you said, you know, creating category. We hope that this becomes major, and that you know there are more companies out there, and that you know we're all you know, we're all yelling about how amazing, you know, sulforaphane is and that we're competing with a bunch of people in the space because people will be healthier for that if it's a good quality one. And I love that. And I'm so happy that you mentioned the learn section on your site because it is so full of information to your point from poop to <laughs> ingredients um, to, uh, to all of the good things. And you are, I mean, you, you are, you're doing it. I mean, you've raised now, you talked about your profit margins, um, what you guys are kind of seeing, and then your growth and expansion. And and you've really only just launched in terms of the product. So it's an exciting time. Um, thank you so much for sharing. I'm excited to follow the journey. We have one last thing as we close out the show. So we always like to support our community, our community of founders, and just really great companies and brands doing amazing things. So if there's a company that you want to shout out, um, let us know so we can all go check it out. Yeah. So I have to say the the company that I want to shout out um, is 
actually an individual. Uh, she is brilliant and she is a guiding force for me so much in what I do. Um, she is a content creator and a social media journalist. Uh, it's at the talk of shame. It's my girl Kiki and she <laughs> is this incredible combination of, of social justice information bravo and gossip and you'd never think you can merge those two together but she does it in such a seamless way um educating you like totally along the way and um if there's going to be a celebrity trial her coverage is like next to like is is better than than even what you'd see from i think most mainstream media so she's she's incredible so at the talk of shame and uh she's 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 brilliant Oh my gosh. I love that. That's such a good one. At the talk of shame, Kiki, we will absolutely shout her out. And Krisha, this is so fun. I can't wait for us to get together and do our shots. Um, I have learned so much. I'm excited for what you're building. I'm a huge supporter. Um, and just sharing your story. You know, when we think about our career and all the steps on it and how we never know, we may not know where we end up, but being so settled in terms of bringing our passions together. So congratulations. Well, thank you so much. And I um, just also want to share that we're just so excited to be able to share Brockshot with your community. And so um, if you use the code BRAINTRUST20, then your audience can have a 20% discount on their purchase. Yay! Fantastic! I'm actually going to use that myself right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. We'll share across our community and for all of our listeners. So Absolutely. thank you so much, Gracia. Well, thank you. And Kendra, you are such an inspiration. I um, just stay tuned all the time for your articles on LinkedIn. And I'm just a big fan and excited to be able to hang out in Los Angeles with you. So, um, but you do so much for entrepreneurs, especially women of color. And it's just, it's really, really inspiring. And with that, every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thanks to Gracia, make sure to follow Kiki Monique at The Talk of Shame. That's at The Talk of Shame to hear more from Kiki Monique. And as always, I like to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is get as much diverse experience as you can. As we heard from Gracia, she had many pivots in her career, but her resounding content and knowledge came from getting as much diverse experience as she could. And with that, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Song, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fish Mar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.